Welcome Team Superdad. This interview with Paul Elliott is awesome. Paul is a speaker, a big event speaker. He's a martial arts expert. He's a dad. He's a coach. He has worked with billionaires and as well as guys like me, <laughs> soon to be millionaires. This is a corker. Welcome to Team Superdad. Roll theme. Welcome to Team Super Dad. Real dads creating their best lives ever. More time, more money, more fun. You are not alone. You're on Team Super Dad. Yes, good afternoon, good evening, morning, wherever you are, what time of day it is, I don't know. But welcome to the Team Super Dad podcast. It is great to have you here. My name's Johnny Jensen, and we are Team Super Dad, helping dads create their best lives ever, especially dads who are coming out of divorce, separation, or loss. This is an interview episode with Paul Elliott. I first met Paul. Um, he was speaking at a like one of those big events. I'm talking like thousands of people. And he was talking about, it was about 10 years ago now, um, about making money online, like an internet business. And then he ended up on stage at the end and he was doing these empowerment activities, board breaking with hundreds of people. And it was really a eye opener to me. One of the first times I'd been at a big event like that. It was part of my personal development journey. And in many ways, part of what leads me to being here, the founder and creator of the Team Super Dad program and community uh, and the Rebuild program and really helping dads, like I said, create their best lives ever. We've all been through some some crap, to be quite honest, um, but that is life. And it, it's when we realise that those experiences you know, aren't necessarily failures that we have to carry around with us. They're just lessons that we've learned. And the more we can learn from those lessons and move on, then the greater the life we can have. And that really is about creating the best life ever. And Paul is an awesome example of this. He's not been divorced himself, but he has got an, uh, a, you know, a wonderful relationship with his, with his family. And he talks about his life growing up and his relationship with his stepdad. Uh, not that he calls him that, but, um, you know, his biological dad was, was not around. So that's really interesting. His, how, you know, his story of how he's actually coached himself and his development there with him working with coaches for his own, his martial arts, his food, his, his alcohol, um, which he doesn't, uh, take a lot of on board, which is an interesting, uh, knowledge for us all to look at and think about ourselves. Fasting. Just a really great interview and um, an example. So many examples in this interview of the of the of the habits of successful people. Uh, and like I said in the interview uh, in the uh, in the intro, Paul's worked with some serious big hitters, um, some some very successful multi multi millionaire people. And I think that's important, not because oh that's cool, but I think it's important because it gives us some insight into you know that these people, no matter how successful they are, they have similar challenges and thoughts to all of us, but it's the way that they react to those and push past them. If you're looking for ways to react and push past your problems, then I encourage, well, I don't mean problems, you know, 
I'm thinking about those things are in the past, right? It's all about the today. It's what are we doing to create that best life ever, um, to rebuild, to, to, to have a future that we're really living into, that we're excited by, that, that our kids know about and are excited about. Um, so, yeah, and I don't like to use that word problems because because that's not what it's about. We, it really is about a group of men, a group of dads, the Team Super Dad community who are up to stuff, who are doing more than than the average Joe, who have said, no, this isn't the life that I want. I have goals and ambitions. I just need the tools and tricks and the people around me to actually achieve them. So thanks for being here and listening to the podcast. If you like it and love it, please comment, rate it. Um, you can come and do that on the, uh, on the Facebook Facebook page on the videos on the YouTube channel just search up Team Super Dad on those um, channels if you're listening on a podcast then please give us a review on um, on iTunes it's a great way to get it up the rankings and out to more people if you're listening to Acast or Spotify or any of those other channels then yeah definitely like this podcast give us a review on there as well because the more I can get this message out to people the more success I can create for it this is my my life now this is this is my everything um there's there's a, a, only a finite amount of time n- not that i will stop doing it but a finite amount of time to actually make it the success i want it to be so that it is as big as i want it to be so that you know i can you know put it bluntly that it can be my livelihood but but not so that that's all about me but so that we can impact as many dads around the world i want to run the rebuild program in the uk in chicago i want to have firewalking events and empowerment weekends at something i've called the lodge um, i want to do that in different parts of the world in the alps in the rockies and really these are the visions that i have for tomb super dad and it's only possible by bringing as many dads through to it. And I can only do that if I'm helping you. So your feedback is really important. Your sharing it is really important and appreciated. And without further ado, let's get on with today's interview. It's a cracker. Interview with Paul Elliott. I'll see you on the other side. Cheers. Bye. Good morning. Good afternoon. This is Johnny. Welcome to the Team Super Dad podcast. It's fabulous to have you here today with us on either this uh, video or listening to to the podcast, wherever you might be. Today, we have with us uh, a gentleman called Paul Elliott. Paul, I I first met, actually, I first saw him on stage at, at an event, which we'll get to talk about in a minute. And then I attended one of his courses and our paths have crossed a, a, a few times as the, over the years, probably more as Paul has, has offered me one of his latest courses or, or, or events or, um, but more than anything that has enabled me to, I guess, observe a lot of what, what Paul's done and the success he's been able to generate. Uh, and also I'm very aware of his, his, his family, of his health, um, a lot of what has inspired him in his career. So it's great to have you on today, Paul. Hello. Welcome. Well, thanks very much, mate. It's pleased to be here, and obviously, hopefully, we'll get into something that people will find useful or at least worth listening to. Yes, well, that's <laughs> that's always the goal. Yeah. Let's hope we achieve that at least. Oh, blimey! Should we say ninety percent of the time? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and as as always, I say as I say to my, all my guests, you know, we're we're here to. To, to enjoy ourselves, you know, and if you're listening in for the first time, this is, these are conversations. Um, we, we do hope to have some fun and entertain. And, and if we, if we find it getting too boring, Paul, then um, feel free to either ask me a random question <laughs> or I might do the same. If I not spot you nodding off, then I know I'm not doing a very good job myself. 
So, uh, Paul, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit about just suddenly, just, just kind of sum up you know, what you're up to now and introduce, mm. us, you know, let's know what, what life stage you're at and, you know, situations with your family. Just give us a, a quick intro to yourself. Yeah. yeah. So I would, I guess I would describe myself in business, business wise as a, a coach and a mentor in certain ways, a mentor in the sense of sharing knowledge and my experiences and actual strategy tactics and so on and a, a coach in the sense of i guess helping people get beyond their own mindset to actually implement what i share with them because obviously you can give people information but information alone doesn't necessarily lead to somebody having six-pack abs or a couple of million in the bank you know so they've still got to get on and do it so i guess i help on both sides um outside of that then i have a strong interest in my own health i have a desire to be in better shape at 80 than I was at 20. And we can talk about how that, how I came to that and yeah. why and who influenced it and inspired me. Um, but that's kind of been with me for a long time. And that's, that's certainly shaped a lot of what I do in terms of why I train, how often I train, what I eat, when I eat, all that kind of stuff. And my interest in just understanding the human body and what makes it tick. And then I guess outside of that, family, relationships. I'm, we're coming up to... This September, September the 11th, as it happens, um, which I know is obviously a day for other reasons, but I did get married on September the 11th. And so we're coming up to 20 years this year. So we've been together for 20 years, myself and Anne-Marie, my wife. And so over that time, it's been at times great, at times horrible. I mean, there's been a couple of times where we've kind of both questioned, did we even want to be in the relationship? And, you know, what's kind of come out of that? So hopefully, if there's anything of value in there, maybe, maybe we can talk about that as well. Of course. And what has come out of that? Any kids? Oh, yeah, three kids without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I forgot my kids. Woohoo. Yeah, no, three kids. Um, eldest is 16, my daughter, first child, and then uh, two boys, so they're 12 and 10. So, yeah, very different. One of them is like me, mini me, and the other one is completely different. Like, I, both in terms of physically, he's like built like a rugby player, and in terms of personality, he's much more chat, 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 more like his mum, really. Never stops talking, you know, so chat, yeah. chat, chat, just could go on forever. Yeah, so it's interesting seeing how three children in the same environment can have three very different personalities, you know. So. Yeah, totally. When I was a stepdad, I mean, I still have a stepdad, you know, I, um, uh, and the dynamics of that relationship where someone, where you are committed to that person, but they're not actually... You know, you kind of sense, oh, they're not, they're not like me. Does that matter? Or, or, or how, do we, yeah, how do we approach yeah. it? Or how do we do things that he wants to do that might not necessarily be what I would be inclined mm. to, to be mm. interested in, uh, let alone when it's one of your own, you know, blood and you're kind sure. of thinking, yeah. how is this person? Yeah. <laughs> how did I make this person? Yeah. I see, I was raised by a stepdad. Right. So I never knew my real dad. So oh, wow. from a biological point of view, never met him. Oh, uh, wow. Oh, well, yeah. we'll definitely dig into that. That's, that's a you. dynamic that um, I know a lot of dads um, would be interested in. I, I had a step, my mum died when I was a kid. I had a step parent, step parent then moved out. I, I've been a step parent. You know, it's, 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 a, it's one of those subjects that from experience that just never get spoken about. Yeah, no, and I know. No one ever says, kind of oh, yes, yeah, like being a step parent. Yeah. It's just like a never, it's like a, but it's really challenging, but it's never spoken about. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I mean, my, from what I know about my real dad, obviously I came from my mum. She just told me. Um, so from what I understand from her side of things, he was just, you know, a violent alcoholic. That's why she left. Right. And she was concerned for my safety more than her own. Like she put up with it. But when I came along, she was like, okay, I, 
can't put up with it anymore, and she left. So I never met him. He then actually passed. He died because of his alcoholism. By yeah. this, I think before I was seven. So in my early years, anyway. So I never, I never actually met him. And the only vague recollection I've ever seen him was apparently, I remember as a toddler being on a bus in Manchester with my mum, and she started talking to this guy who was sat, as it happens, a couple of seats in front. And she's told me since that was my dad. Now I can't wow. see, I can't, I don't, in my memory, I can't see his face, but I remember being on that bus, if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah so that's kind of the only recollection of it. Yeah. Do you ever have a sense of wondering? Am I like him, or, or or would I would I be different if I'd met him? Or did, did you feel like there's a piece missing from you at all? I got to because of all the personal development I kind of went through. I've been got into that sort of industry, and then obviously working on me and using that as a way to deal with the challenges I was coming up with. I did get to a place where I had this sort of, well, why did he leave? Like I got the like if he was drunk and violent, why did he feel the need to be drunk? Why yeah. was he not stepping up as a dad? And then I went through the whole thing, well, why didn't he want me? You know, why did I have to get a new dad sort of yeah, thing? Yeah. That, was, that, that was, I played, that went around my head a lot, quite a bit for a, a little while and I had to deal with that. As a and kid or a teenager you know, or adult? As an adult that was, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it was kind of a, I guess, a throwback in some way. But yeah, it was kind of a funny one. Because obviously I've never had, a, as I say, he dies. So I've never had a chance to seek him out and sit down and talk to him. I mean, it's yeah. not an issue anymore, but it has been like 10, 15, 20 years ago, maybe now. Yeah. Than realized, but. And have you ever connected with any members of his family? No, not at all. I don't, uh, I don't know if any of them was, well, I don't know if he had any siblings, brothers, sisters, so never reached out there. I mean, I remember as a kid, we used to go around and see my, my nana on that side. Yeah. But again, they're vague memories and she will have passed away by now. So yeah, I don't yeah. Know. Uh-huh. So, what's your relationship like with this, with your stepdad? How, when when did you come into your life, and how, what's, what's well, he, came, yeah, he came into my life when I was still a toddler. So, my mum started dating him. Like my mum, my earliest recollections are living with my grandparents. So, my mum had obviously left my dad and gone back to live with her parents, my grandparents. So, my earliest recollection is living with my nana and granddad and my mum. Yeah. So then she started dating my stepdad at some point, and we used to go out on a Saturday. So he used to come round, and the three of us would go out, so do a day trip somewhere. Yeah. We go out then. So yeah, that's probably from probably from about three years of age that he came into my life, you know. So and then they and did you call him dad? Yeah, yeah. Well actually it was interestingly, they married, I remember the wedding day. Yeah. They married when I was five. And literally from that day onwards I called him dad. Your choice. Yeah, my choice. I just completely Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean a, a lot of dads, a lot of stepdads, I mean it's it's difficult if the biological dad is still present. Yeah. Um yeah. But I, um, we interviewed, um, oh my gosh, Alex, Alex mm-hmm. Smale. And he's, he, it was fabulous talking to him and about him. And his, if you listen to one of the old podcasts, you'll, you'll, you'll hear the interview. He was talking about his relationship with his ex-wife who's since married and he's now got a long-term relationship. They're due to get married. Mm-hmm. And he's actually quite comfortable with his kids calling the other dad, dad as well. Um, he's called Daddy Mark. And he's called Daddy. Yeah. I think it's Daddy Mark and Daddy and, and Daddy and then Daddy Mark yeah. and and Alex in in a very you know amazing actually that that he he's got his mindset mm. and attitude towards this. He's like they're kids. Mm. It's normal. They feel it's normal for them to call him that. He's got a good relationship with his ex, you know, so he's comfortable that she's not forced mm. him to, to say that to him. But this other guy's got kids as well, so they've got step okay. brothers and sisters yeah. who call the yeah. guy Daddy. Yeah, yeah. They've taken it upon themselves to call him Daddy Mark. Yeah, now, yeah. Like, who are we as 
parents to go around telling our kids that they can or can't do something. You know, it's very curious the the the, the holes we get ourselves into as as adults looking on the on the lives of our children. For sure, yeah, because I know I've seen in similar, like, you know, for example, you know, did Date With Destiny with Tony Robbins back in 2000, I think. So, what, 19 years now? I remember somebody there talking about that in terms of relationships. They were going through challenges at the time, looked like they were potentially going to split. And his concern was someone else is going to raise my kids. Yeah. And I get it. I, can, I understood it. I empathized with him there in the moment. But the other side of it is that's not about the kids, is it? That's about you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. From the children's point of view, they'll they'll like you say they'll just potentially or hopefully accept whoever that parent is, step parent, and you know take it on themselves if they're happy and comfortable to say call them daddy, daddy Mark, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things I've realised from my mum dying was um, there's a there's some female figures in my life, you know, mm. family, but they're kind of extended family who through my mum dying have now that they've taken on a more maternal role oh, yeah. or they took on a more return, maternal role in my life. And actually yeah. looking on the positives, I'm like, wow, I wouldn't have had that input from them women, from my aunt, from my, yeah. I call them yeah. my American mum, like my, my auntie Mary, you know, like my, my auntie Barbara in America, like they, the role that they took on as a result of my mum dying. Um, you have, I, I'm not sure I was there when I was a kid, but looking at as a, as a sort of mm. into late teens and twenties, I'm like, wow, these, these women stepped up. They've, they've been yeah. a massive contribution to me. And I perhaps wouldn't have had that if my mum had been around. No, no, for sure. Yeah, because they probably wouldn't potentially have felt the need to step up. But it's great yeah. that they did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, well, that's awesome. And, and kudos mm. on him. Um, have you got any brothers or sisters? I've got a sister, yeah. So she's like, a, I guess, a half-sister. But I've never right, thought right, of yeah. it. She's yeah, a okay. sister. Yeah, so yeah, I've got one sister. They've actually, in the last couple of years, moved to where I am in the country. So they're literally five minutes away now. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. So I see her a bit more than I used to. And obviously when we were kids, there was quite a, there was like six, seven years age gap between us. Yeah. So it's kids, obviously there were times where, you know, we were just bickering at each other constantly. But obviously as adults, we don't bicker at each other anymore, thankfully. Yeah. So we actually have a good relationship now. But yeah. yeah. So here, let's, let's, uh, let's go back to how I, I first met you. I'm, mm-hmm. I, you were on stage uh, at, um, it was like a, it was sort of like a millionaire maker or something in in um, in between Covent Garden and Holborn, that sort of area of oh, London. Yeah. And you were at the end of the event, you were doing the board break with Andy Harrington on on stage, okay. and the course that I ran to the back of the room for was your. It was like an you know, like sell stuff online, or it was like an on, online. Oh, okay, like an internet marketing yeah. type thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Tell us about that 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 journey for you. I mean, obviously, part of Team Super Dad is is looking at at guys rebuilding um, and financial side of this, making money, being successful, enjoying their work. You know, it's 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 definitely a, a time for for many men where they, you know, they're like a ground zero and they need to make some decisions. They perhaps realise they're not making enough money, so mm. there's a lot of panic that goes on of can, am I making yeah. enough money can I stay in this job or, yeah. or, or yeah. before we even get into I want to be something bigger brighter bolder mm. what what how old that was about nine that was about 2007 so how old were you then um early 40s I guess or right and that was about seven years about four four or five years after you've been to date with destiny yeah yeah quite yeah, yeah quite a lot of years yeah um I mean my original starting point was I, you know, I came out of university with a degree, which I didn't want. Like I did green chemical engineering. Yeah. I had no interest in being a chemical engineer. 
I mean, I'd done the degree because I'd been good at maths at school. So, you know, <laughs> that was it. It was like, I didn't want to do maths as a degree. I thought, I'll do something that's got some application, so I'll do an engineering degree. Yeah. So I ended up doing chemical engineering. But I came out of that, I was like, that's not what I want to do. So by that point, I mean, I'm 53, so we're going back a while. So at that point, computers were certainly well-established within business. Computer programming was a big thing. So I thought, oh, I'll become a computer programmer. So I got a job in London, and they trained me to program whatever computers they had at the time, and that kind of started a career there. And um, The thing for me was, in a job, like when you're a student, of course, you know, you get out of bed when you feel like it. Yeah. Going into corporate and suddenly being like, you've got to be at this desk at 9 o'clock, and you cannot leave until at least 5 o'clock, if not later. Found that a real struggle. Didn't like that at all. Because um, my other side is martial arts. I wanted to leave at 5 o'clock to go training, you know. Yeah. So I struggled with that. Um, got eventually had three jobs in quick succession. Got fired three times and just went traveling around the world. And then I was in Australia. I was I'd booked to do one of these uh, paddy diving courses. So I was out on the coral reef. Like you go out, literally go out on a boat and you're yeah. there for about three days. Sat out on the reef, which is fantastic. If you, you know if you get a chance to do it, absolutely fantastic. So got a certificate. But while I was there, I met a guy who's still going. Guy called Ed Straker. And he told me all about NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. So I was fascinated by that because I, you know, I think I've probably said before, I could see a direct correlation between the mind and results in karate. So I thought, well, if this will help with this, that's what my initial interest. Yeah. Like, if this will help with my karate, then fantastic. So he recommended I read Tony Robbins' book, Unlimited Power. So when I got back to shore, went to a bookstop, bought it, read it, loved it, and thought, Actually, this is a lot more interesting than I've ever done. I want to do this. You know, and that so. was your first introduction to any kind of personal development? Totally. Yeah, totally. So yeah. I, I, I read it thinking I want to read this to be, better, to be a better fighter in competition. By the time I finished it, it was like, this will make me a better fighter. And wouldn't it be great to do this for a living? Because you get to help people rather than sitting in front of a computer listening to somebody. Because I've been programming stuff. It was all banking systems. Yeah. So you can imagine how dull that was as a topic. So, you know, and then a computer on top of it, it wasn't exactly the most exciting career. So I was like, this is going to be really good. This is going to be a lot of fun. You know, so then obviously I went down the whole Tony Robbins route, listened to all these tapes, thinking this is fantastic. This guy rocks up at an event, gets on stage, shares all these ideas with people, changes lives, goes home. What a fantastic way to live your life. I've got to do some of that. So I kind of started that. And then, interestingly, the reality of that was then, well, if I'm going to share ideas on stage, I need to know how to speak on stage. I need to know how to get things across. Yeah. So that pushed me down learning the skills of doing that. And then it was like, okay, well, now I need to turn this into a business. So, and did you self-teach yourself that? Or did you go on a course, for the, on a talking, speaking course? Well, because of the NLP, like I read, I read a lot of books on it. But then the NL, within the NLP, the, one of the core concepts is this idea of modeling. It's like find someone who's brilliant at something and just model what they do. And so I did... I don't know if you know how NLP is structured, but it's structured as a, you do a practitioner certification, you do a master practice certification, and if you wish, you become a trainer. So I did the whole lot. So I became a certified trainer in the trainer's training. And how are you paying for this? Sorry? How are you paying for this? Credit cards. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 that's really interesting. That's really yeah. interesting. Someone who's tuning in and listening to this, they're thinking, oh, yeah, I want to do all that, and, uh, but uh, how the hell am I going to afford to change my life? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, so, so it was like... Strapping it up on, on credit yeah. cards. It was like, how many credit cards can I fund it? Because I, I didn't have any money. So, yeah, I mean, I literally remember one day ringing the, a, the credit card company of one of the cards I had 
and saying, I've got this amazing opportunity. It was actually to do training training. Like, I've got this amazing opportunity to go to the States, to learn this stuff. It's going to make a massive difference to my life, but I'm at my limit. Can I have some more money? And she said, no, you can only have a raise every six months, you know? So I was like, oh. And that was it, end of the conversation. <laughs> I remember putting the phone down, I'm thinking, I bet she's not the only person in that call center. I'm ringing back. So I rang back and spoke to somebody else and told her the same thing. I said, look, I really need your help. Like, you are the one person that is between me and me achieving my career goals and living a great life and wanting to do this. Like, you're the person that can help me. And she just said, hold on a minute. And she went off. You know, like when you're on the phone, a second can feel like ages, but she was gone for, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds, but it felt like an hour, you know. And then she came back, she said, right, I've spoken to my manager, you can have the money. So I needed about another three grand and she got it. Wow. Yeah. So. Do you know what I say to my kids? I say, don't moan, make it happen. Don't moan, make it happen. And uh, that's a prime example of make it happen. (laughs) Yeah, sure. It was just, I was like, I've got to go. So I went and they, within that trainer's training, they taught you a lot about presentation skills as well. I then joined Toastmasters so that every week I had a, at least one minute in front of an audience. I don't know if you've been to Toastmasters, but they do these table topics where you get one minute and they just throw a topic at you, any topic. But I went just to practice what I'd learned in trainer's training. You know, yeah, so I, I think they're still around, there. Toastmasters, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like I'd pick, I'd pick one thing and then I'd practice that in my one minute. So what I said that came out of my mouth, I, I don't know, but I was focused on practicing one thing. So I did that and then started running my own NLP seminars because that seemed the obvious thing. Having done a trainer's training in NLP, I was like, well, I should run some of these. So that first year, just through, because on the back of the Tony Robbins events, the Yes Group, which... Oh, I know Yes Group, Carl Purcell, yeah. Do you know what? I think it's really important at this at this point, right? Because there's a lot of coaches around. Mm. You've spoken at big events. You've spoken in front mm. of a lot of people. I just want to I just want to put that out there for anyone that's listening. Like we're not talking about you talking to a room of fifty people here. You know, you've spoken. Oh yeah, no, I've thousands. done thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I've yeah. done the big yeah. events. Paul, yeah. Paul is the yeah. man here, guys. Yeah, but, but at that time, that wasn't in my head. I wasn't thinking, yeah. oh, I'm going to be doing these multi-thousand people events. Like I just want to get out in front of people. So I think through the Yes Group. I kind of managed to, that was my little marketing pool. So I managed to collect a lot of prospects, clients to come on the first NLP seminar, NLP events I ran. So that, that was my first year in there. And then at the end of that, I kind of began to realize actually, you know, marketing and selling is what it's really all about. And then as that, this is before the, the internet, before Facebook and advertising, yeah, online, yeah. before all of that stuff. So it was kind of like, how do you make this work quickly? It's like, well, it's, just telling people, like people didn't know what NLP was. You couldn't, unless they'd been to a Tony Robbins event, they didn't know what NLP was. Yeah. So it wasn't like you could just run an advert saying, learn NLP, because people would go, what the hell's that? They would never respond to it, you know. So that's when I started thinking, okay, you've got to apply this to something. Does that make sense? It's like, well, if you apply mindset, like even today, I mean, I'd say people are way more aware that mindset is a thing and is a, has an impact on the results you get and how happy you are and everything like that. 20 years ago, no. Didn't enter. Like, if you stop somebody in the street and say you've got limiting beliefs, you know, if you stop somebody in London and say they probably punch you in the face, you know, yes, so exactly. they'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? So, whereas today I think there's more awareness of it, but at the time there wasn't. So it's was like, well, how do you make this tangible for people at that time? You know, so we started running events on, well, actually, can you make more money? And you begin to realize very quickly there's, there's a couple of things that are evergreen. One is money, people always want more of it. They always want to lose weight. That's a massive market that just continues to grow. And relationships is another big one. And that's grown even more so over the last 10 years. So I think if you kind of can, I guess, target what you do or fit what you do to help in one of those areas, 
then you've got the foundation for a business. And that's really what we started doing. So Perfect. Yeah. Well, Team Super Daddy is going to help people yeah. with their health, <laughs> wealth and relationships. Yeah. That's fabulous. Yeah. Um, so, so amazing. So then, so then through that speaking and through your success, you then get asked to start speaking at these, at, at these bigger events mm. and, and, and then you're putting together courses of, of a variety of topics such as the internet uh, marketing. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, there was, as it started to grow, first of all, I had people who came through my events and I got invited to do like corporate stuff. So I did a couple of corporate keynotes and things, which was fine. It was fun. They just pay you a fee. But then of course the whole internet world started to grow. So then you started seeing people putting on bigger events and wanting, I guess, I guess the rise or the beginning of multi-speaker events in the UK. They've probably been going on in the States for a lot longer, but certainly the beginning is on in the UK. So yeah, so I started speaking at those sort of events on two primary topics, really. The topics I knew, which were property was the big one because it was like when you start making money, it's like, where'd you put it? Of course. So it like, that, that was property. And then obviously as, as I was paying attention to what people were wanting, and I'd seen Simon Coulson and other people talking about the internet. I was starting to do things with the internet and have some success with it and started to realize the potential of it. And then Darren Winter said to me, oh, tell people, teach people. You know, so it was like, come to, he was putting on events. He said, come and speak at my events. And I think it was one of his events I was at. Yeah. 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 So it was like, well, share what you're doing online, turn it into a course. So that's how that kind of started really. And not to put you on the spot here, but you know, if someone's going to those events like that, that kind of, panic that's on their mind there you know especially if you're looking at at, at dads and they're thinking i've got to reinvent myself here i need to make some more money or i've got to i've got to i've got to do basically this this, there could be an essence of i want to discover my passion i want to spend more time i want to have more freedom with with my time but underneath all that is i've really got to make some money here so they go to an event and then someone talks about property someone talks about investing someone talks about internet what as someone who's spoken at those events and then had customers come through Mm. what is you know is there any kind of i don't know advice from the other side of the fence that you could give people who are sat yeah. in the audience about what they should choose or not choose or yeah not well what i would say is like for, as a common theme throughout all of these things like there's lots of things you can talk about within that seminar industry because obviously yeah. there's people that have got up and have learned to sell and what they're selling is crap and they're just they're just leading people down a garden path and they're ripping people off but if you take the good courses and the the good material that's out there and let's just focus on that what I would say, looking from this side at the people who've come through courses over the last 20 years, is before you go to these things, clarity and discipline are your friends. So what I mean by that is be clear what you want in your life, not what you want from coming to a multi-speaker event, what you want in your life. Be very clear financially what you want. So and it took me a long time to get there. Like I made money, lost money, made money, lost money. And with hindsight, it was a lack of clarity of what I really, truly wanted. You know, I was driven in the beginning by, I just want to share ideas and help people. Whoa, off we go. But I didn't have any real clarity around it. So I would suggest it's like, get clear. How much money do you want? Now, don't start throwing out numbers. Oh, I want to be a multimillionaire. It's meaningless. Like One, you don't need that much every year to have a phenomenal life. So it's like, literally decide what that figure is each month. How much do you need? And they're like, if you say, well, I need 10 grand a month to have a great life, great. So 10 grand a month in your bank, disposable. So you need to probably triple that in terms of paying taxes and putting some money away in some sort of investment thing that's going to grow over time. Yes. So then you're, you need 30 grand a month. Great. So now you need 30 grand a month. Now you need a viable vehicle that can get you 30 grand a month. 
So that narrows it down straight away. But then, so you've got two options. You can either go, I'll build my own sort of business, entrepreneurial type thing. And I do not believe that's for everybody. I think 20, 15, 15 10, even 10 years ago, if you'd have said to me, is that for everybody? I said, yeah, everybody should do that. I don't believe that anymore. One, because you don't need to. And two, there's a lot of other stuff that comes with running your own business that you may not want to deal with, but you'll have to deal with it. And it can cause more mental challenges than pretty much anything else. So you decide how much you want, and then you've got to recognize you're going to have to be disciplined about it. You know, I've, I've noticed as I'm watching this, I don't know if everybody sees the video, but in the back you've got um, Brendan Bouchard's book, haven't you? Yes. Habits. Yeah. And he talks about it in there. Highly recommend that book. But the discipline of recognizing like, he wanted to be a best-selling author, like a writer. The reality of being a best-selling writer is you've got to write. <laughs> every bloody day you know and it's like you've got to be disciplined and say okay i'm going to sit down at this time and i ain't moving till i've written 500 words a thousand words three thousand whatever the number is that's discipline you know if you're gonna run an online business in today's environment where you're leveraging social media then you need either if you're, you're either advertising so you've got to write the ads you've got to run the ads you've got to pay close attention to the numbers so that you can see what determines a, a good test like something needs a thousand impressions before you make any decisions, then have you got the clicks you want? Does like when they click, what happens next? Does the whole system work? If you're going to do it without ads, then yes, you can pretty much find any niche of people online these days through Facebook groups and so on. What are you going to post in there? But you've got to be disciplined and say, well, I'm going to post every day. I'm going to post at least once every day. And yeah. then like you've got to be clear what, what the purpose of the post is. Just to get attention, and then what's the next step for people? So there's discipline to all of this. So in the sense of like, I have a, I mean, I've tried pretty much over the years just about every kind of time management system you can buy. I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on these things, but these days I just use a, a blank A5 notebook and I fill out my day, so it gives me the flexibility. But I map out my year, I map out my quarter, I map out the month, I map out the week, and then literally every day. Each day on the page, I look at what I've got planned for the week. I put the date for today. Here's what I've got to do today. I write from 6 o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, and I fill it in. Right, here's what I'm doing. There's yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you're not the first person to, to say that, but what I can say is it's a practice of successful people. And when you ask, let's say, not successful people if they're doing that they're generally saying no they're they're not so i think that's well, got, i think this is important this covers everything in the sense of health relationships yeah. money yeah success is a process yeah it's always a process so if it's a process that means there has to be routines therefore those routines have got to happen every single day so there's daily routines like i get up in the morning first thing i do is obviously I go for a pee but the first thing i do is meditate you know then it's like and then we we're up my wife's usually up within 15 to half an hour before me. She just likes getting out of bed early. I like to lie and do my meditation in bed. Then we get up. We've realized that from a relationship point of view, the first thing we have to do is connect. So we've got to give each other a big hug, a big kiss, remind each other why we're together. Awesome. That's a routine for the relationship. And without that, you damn well know that if you don't do that for a couple of weeks, there's going to be a big argument at the end of it. Also, you're going to explode. You're going to feel like you're neglecting each other. Someone's going to be unhappy. Yes. And the same way with health. It's like I train four times a week. Not, oh, I'll train if I feel like it. I train four times a week. I map it in my weekly calendar. I know when I'm training. I don't go into the gym going, oh, what shall I do today? I already know what I'm doing before I get there. There has to be routines. 
And money's the same. You've got to have routines for money. Otherwise, you won't have any, or you'll have it and lose it like I did a couple of times. You know, So you, that's, that's it. It's a process. Everything's a process. You, know, you don't go to the gym once and go, that's it. I'm done for the rest of my life. Or go a couple of times and go, look, I'm in great shape. I've got six-pack abs. I can stop now. That doesn't work. It's like every day, like every week. Every, there's routines. That's my point. It yeah, is a yeah. process. And listen, I want to dig into that in a little bit more, particularly around the health and relationship stuff. But just back on the on the on the on the wealth and the and the and the coming on courses, people are speaking from experience. Mm. Go on the course yes. and don't do the work. Yes. As someone who's led those courses, and I think this is really good advice for people who who probably at this time are looking at different ways they can can make more money or or, or mm. make a transition in their or a pivot in their life. Why do people come on courses and not do the work? And what could you say that would actually, you know, help people take the knowledge out of a course and put it into practice? Um, I think they come on them because they have a strong desire to, to achieve something, even though they're not clear what that is. It's usually fuzzy. But certainly the concept of more money or more money without having to work as hard for it is very attractive. So they'll come on a course with that idea in mind. I want to get to that place. What they don't necessarily get in the beginning, and I, you know, as as things have progressed more and more, like if I, like I have webinars running at the moment, and in my webinars, I'm very clear. It's like I'll say, if you're the kind of person who loves coming on these things but doesn't want to do anything with it, who doesn't want to put in the work, who's not willing to work hard in the beginning, don't bother. Stop listening straight away. But I'll also tell you that people will listen to that in the in the presentation and go, absolutely, he's absolutely right. I've got to do the work. And then sign up and then forget that. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think there's an element of you don't know what you don't know. And actually, funny enough, there was something on the other night, not directly related to this, but it, it relates in the sense of it was all about women talking about their first child, the foot, going through pregnancy for the first time. Nobody tells you what childbirth is like. But the other side of that is nobody can tell you what childbirth is like until you go through it yourself. And my wife has said this several times. You know, like she, she was laughing at this documentary because it's exactly what she's talked about you know, 15 years ago after we had, she had Maria. And it's that same idea. It's like I can tell you how much hard work's involved in the beginning. But until you do it, you have, no, you have nothing to compare it to. You have, there's nothing. There's nothing there. It's like trying to describe an orange to someone who's never seen fruit. It's like until you get into it. But you've got to recognize as much as possible going into it, if you want to drink from your reservoir – you've got to dig that reservoir first and that's hard work that's discipline that's routines that's having a viable path i mean for me i'm realizing now at 45 and and now rebuilding after Mm. what was a challenging marriage Mm. and the mental health sort of stuff that, that went with that but also going into that taking my baggage experiences of things not quite working out jobs that i didn't quite enjoy football teams I didn't get picked for, you know, going right back to childhood. Sure. Um, going on the course, getting loads of great knowledge and training. But mm. then the thing that kicks you in the ass, the, the worst in the butt, the most is the self-confidence, you know, yeah. the, and, and having the self, yeah. the positive self-esteem to actually take that knowledge and go back home and put it into, into place. And yeah. I think that, I think that quite a lot of courses, you know, they, it's not their place necessarily to, to be teaching that. You know, they're, they've got two days to give you the course, not an, an extra day to, to work on your self-esteem. But going into mm. the course, if your self-esteem and confidence is not up, 
then how on earth are you going to put the course into and, and the knowledge into practice on the on the other side? Yeah, that that's where it becomes. I've realised more and more that it's like you've got to get around people that are doing it or are wanting to do it, which is where I guess masterminds and mentoring and things like that become far more important. Because I've got friends who are billionaires and they still have doubts. So don't ever think that they ever disappear. You'll still have doubts about certain things. But so it's it's not so much can you I guess yes, you want to be looking at your developing your own confidence. I think that's part of it. But recognizing that that's a process as well. It's never going to be complete. But at the same time, if you get around people who are all focused on achieving something, there's something great when you're in a group, which you don't get when you're on your own. When you're on your own, and I've been on my own at times, and it, and, and it is isolating, and you have nothing to compare it with, and you have no one to talk to. And that's very bad for your confidence, or certainly was for me and my self-confidence. So if you're around people who are all focused on a similar goal, and you've got someone who's facilitating or guiding it, then the very fact that you can talk to each other and encourage each other, one plus one isn't two anymore. One plus one is whatever you want it to be. And that I found has been one of the greatest benefits of making sure I hang out with the right people. Yeah. And you know, at this point, I'm, I'm more than happy to pay to hang out with the right people because I know the benefit for me, not just financially, but emotionally, socially, and everything else is obviously worth, well worth the investment. You know, So get around people. Because you will always have doubts. There is nobody on the planet that I've met so far, and I've met everybody from people starting out to people, as I say, doing multi-multi-millions and have been making millions for decades. Doubts don't disappear. Because I, you know, I have a, one particular billionaire friend. He's like a brother to me. But he rings for my advice. Yeah. You know, and it's like, what do you want my advice for? You? But he does. So it never goes where you always want other perspectives, other opinions, or you've got little doubts, little niggles. Yeah. And get around people. Yeah. That's something I've become aware of working on, you know, breaking out of one level and into another level myself is, and people can, people listening can, can check in with themselves. There's a level which you've settled at. Yes. Both socially, financially, health wise. Mm. And if, and if you're not sure of that, have a look and see how long you've been successfully operating at that level. Mm. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm really good at being just above skin, or I'm really good at being <laughs> kind of happy, you know, like, but, but so then, then, then you get left with, oh yeah, but oh, it's all right for them, but that's not me. And actually, it's just a, gr- a glass ceiling that we put on our, put on mm. ourselves by our habits, the people we hang around with and the input that we're getting. Um, and and I, I really heard what you just said there about, because people might ask the question, yeah, but how do I get around those people? And you've, you've mentioned in this call, in this, in this interview, um, the yes group, that's a group of, of yeah. NLP yeah. speakers, confident coach, people are up to stuff. You've mentioned you actually took courses. You've mm. mentioned, um, that just brief, just a moment ago, you said, and I'll happily actually pay for that right now. So, mm. uh, you know, I don't even need to ask you that question. That, that's what people need to do if they're wondering how to get around those people is, is actually yeah, go out and look for them. Start your own. I mean, I, literally, I've met people more so in the States. I think there's maybe a slight difference in the culture of the States. And I'm being general because obviously it's such a big place. There's all yeah. sorts of cultures. But I think there's more of a, if you, if you haven't got something and it isn't there, we'll start your own. So if you haven't got a mastermind group, like if you read Think and Grow Rich, obviously one of the, the yeah, old that, yeah, books in yeah. terms of success and personal development um, and has been a cornerstone for many, many people that I've met. But one of the big chapters is all about masterminds. Everybody at that time who was extraordinarily successful in business had a mastermind and various people on it. So if you don't have one and you you don't necessarily have the funds to invest in one, then start one. 
Yeah. Like just initially start by doing a meetup. I mean, I know there's meetups all over the place these days, isn't there? It's like get some people together and agree to meet up on a regular basis, whether weekly, monthly, and hold each other accountable in some way, support each other in some way, be there to talk to each other when one of us having a down day, they can ring one of the others and talk to them for half an hour. You know, it's like that would make a big difference. Yeah, like we said, make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, on the subject of making it happen and, and, and in the interest of time as well, you've, you've referred to your health and your martial arts a couple of times. And yeah. now for me, I'm, I'm, I'm the fittest I've ever been at, at this mm. moment. I, I, and I do wonder if I could run this fast now, what the hell could I have done when I was 19? <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. Health's always been important to you. Your fitness has always been important to you. Yeah, it has since I was uh, 19. So when I was at uh, university, obviously yeah. university, first time away from home, you know, so you go a little bit crazy. But I remember in, yeah, probably, I think it was my second year. It was, it was my second year at university. So I'd done the first year, done all the stupidity stuff. We're still doing some stupid stuff. But I woke up one morning and my whole back had seized up. So like it took me like 15 minutes to get out of bed like I just couldn't bend, you know, so it was like trying to slide and get my feet on the floor and get myself to an upright position. Right, and it really okay. scared me. So I was like, and paint the picture here. Are you, cause you said you're on a computer science, no, a, a science, science. I was on a chemical engineering degree. So what, are you, are you quite a geeky engineering kind of person or not? Not really. No, no. I mean, I, I, it was kind of, this is the other side of it. So I had no real clarity out of school other than, well, I'm good at maths. What should I do? Well, I don't want to do maths. That doesn't sound like you can do anything with it. I'll do some, uh, more more applied so it's like, right. oh, I mean, are you in the bar like getting hammered pretty much yeah yeah yeah, much, yeah 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 and obviously eating whatever's like you know students at that time yeah, yeah. chips was probably your source of most of your nutrition so you know i woke up it's like my whole back had seized up i was in a lot of pain and i was like this this can't be right i'm 19 for frick's sake you know it's like something's got to change and that that started me down a path of okay health's important you know so i started reading books read lots of different things which had different opinions but more than anything i just kind of if i think if you read every book there is if that was possible on health you'd just be confused so ultimately you just kind of go well i'm going to pick something and see what works for me and that's what started it so it's like let's start doing some regular exercise just being in the gym and lifting weights didn't particularly interest me but martial arts always had since david Carradine and kung fu when i was a kid yeah yeah tv series religiously so that oh i'll do martial arts so i joined the karate club in the university and enjoyed it so that started the sort of physical aspect of it and then on the other side it's like okay drink less stop eating chips stop eating kebabs look for better quality food and that started that as well so since then i have read and even today's better of course because you got podcasts so i listened to i think i mentioned before peter atia runs a great podcast and his whole focus is quality of life and length of life and he is a doctor and what's and his podcast on, called again do you remember it's peter atia drive okay is cool the actual podcast but and he has some brilliant people on there but some of his early stuff is very much purely about it gets very technical as well very technical because he's obviously still treating patients and he's a big advocate, not an advocate, but he's, he's certainly a big fan of ketogenics, ketogenic diets, because yeah, yeah. he puts a lot of his patients on those things. So he's therefore measuring everything. I mean, he himself wears a continuous glucose monitor. So anything he eats, he can see the impact on his glucose straight away, and he's, he tracks it fanatically. Um, then Rhonda Patrick, also very deep into the research. So people like that I listen to regularly. And books, I've just read so many books and just tried things out for me. You know, so it started out with, well, how much food do you eat? What are you eating? So I started eliminating 
I mean, I didn't get rid of alcohol until my mid-20s. You know, so I came through university, and I think it would, be, would have been impossible to give up all drink at university. I would, probably wouldn't have had a social life. But then as I got out and was working in London, I got to a point where I just got sick of being drunk. You know, in the sense of we'd go out on a weekend, and the whole point was to go out and get drunk. You know, so I got to a point where I was sick of that. And then, so I started and you still don't, you, So you haven't drunk since your mid-20s? Um, I didn't drink for about 15 years. I didn't have a drop for about 15 years. And now I will have the, I'll pour myself a glass of red wine yeah. and I'll drink about half a glass before I'm bored. <laughs> it's, but I'll enjoy that half, you know, like I'll enjoy that half a glass. So, and I'll probably do that every couple of weeks now. So I'm not as militant about it as I yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then food-wise, I, I do regular fasting. I'm pretty much an intermittent faster these days, full stop. Yeah, well, um, Tolly Bacan, the, the firewalking. Oh, yeah, I know Tolly, yeah. yeah. He, yeah. he advocates fasting, um, and I've heard him speak about it. And, it, and mm. the, 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 you don't even need to get into the science of it. It kind of sounds quite sensible. You it does, your, yeah. your body, you're starving your body of food, mm. so it goes into its own resources and starts eating away at things. Mm. And guess where it goes? It goes and takes the unhealthy stuff that it needs least yeah. Yeah. to draw energy from. So could be cancer could be whatever you know oh, right. or tumors yeah. or diseases that are in your body mm-hmm. the, the intermittent fasting actually um uh, prolongs your life because it's, it's it's eating away at those bad things inside of our body that's that's the johnny version of it it's amazing yeah, yeah. i mean that's a simple version i mean there's, there's so much science behind it now that even like even um five years ago you know you'll see there's something called igf1 which is a growth factor one and Five years ago, they understood it existed, and they were like, oh, my God, this thing causes any cancers to grow more aggressively. It must be bad. But then you kind of go, what's it in your body for? And then actually now they've realized that when you fast, your, your organs shrink, and you actually rebuild cells. Sorry, you regenerate the cells as opposed to creating brand new cells, which is better for you. And then when you come out of the fast, IGF-1 rebuilds all your organs or it helps rebuild them, which is why you stay healthier. Right. You're getting brand new stuff. And what, so, what's an intermittent fast? A sorry? day? A week? Or what, an, an intermittent is what they, I like, um, Tim Ferriss is someone else I listen to as well. Yeah. And he talks about what's the minimum dosage of something that gives you the benefit. That's his big thing. Minimum viable dosage, I think he calls it. Yeah. So the science at the moment, from what I understand, is that bare minimum 16 hours of not eating in a 24-hour window gives you the 80, 80% of the benefit. Does that make sense? Wow. So it's like the 20 rule. So if you only eat within an eight-hour window, you'll get 80% of the benefit of fasting without having to do a multi-day fast. Yeah, that and that sense. obviously includes sleep as well. So that includes sleep, well. sleep for yeah, eight hours. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and I, I started there, and then you learn things about your body because you'll, you'll feel hungry, but then, of course... If you don't eat, the hunger disappears. That feeling disappears. So you begin to really, as you can manage that much more easily. So yeah, I, know. I know from when I gave up, uh, gave up caffeine for quite a while, and I gave right. up sugar. It was my my ex wife was was ill. I, I gave up those things for a while, yeah. kind of because she had to. And you, going through those those first few days, mm. like you like, I need coffee. I need coffee. Yeah. Think, yeah. As someone who's curious about the way that myself, the way the way my brain working and talking to me, I'm like what who says that like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. hello <laughs> um and, you, and, and then after a couple of days yeah you find yourself oh i'm not you actually you don't crave it at all yeah but, but most people react to the thought yeah. yes. and go and, and go and satisfy the thought yeah. without actually thinking about whether they can yeah. move past it 
Well, I mean, and, you know, in terms of evolution, I mean, our ancestors wouldn't have had food or access to food on a daily basis. So therefore, the body's designed to go through periods of not eating and then obviously then periods of eating. So it kind of makes sense in that respect. I found myself much clearer mentally when no sugar, a little bit of caffeine. I don't worry too much about caffeine these days, but no sugar, certainly. And then fasting, you get very clear mentally. So you become more productive. Well, I found that. So it's had benefits. Yeah, I like it. So that's yeah. kind of like go to bed, don't eat till tea time. That's that's a kind of a... Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've done that as well. I did a long time where I did one meal a day. So, you know, it's like you're basically doing a 23-hour fast every day and you're eating within an hour's window. And, and then do you like mentally. scoff like an absolute plateful? Oh, yeah, you can eat. You can eat. Okay. You can have 2,000 calories in an hour if you want to. Okay. Um, you probably struggle to do that, or I did. But, you know, you can eat as much as you want in that hour. But then you find, certainly by about day four, the level of energy and the level of focus, mental focus and clarity is just off the scale. Absolutely wow. off the scale. Yeah. And in relation to your family, this this health focus, this fitness mm-hmm. focus, has that rubbed off on your kids? Is it, is it, is yeah, it a family-wide much. thing? Yeah, my... My children, we haven't, I mean, we've obviously set certain boundaries as they've grown up right from the beginning, but some things we weren't too c- concerned about. Like, but, you know, I've got one, one, one of my boys in particular has been much more interested in eating crisps and sweets and things, but we haven't been like, oh no, you've got to eat your veggies. You can't leave the table until you eat your greens. We haven't and never done any of that sort of thing. We've just kind of led by example, I guess. Yeah. So he's now changed. So as he's got a little older, he's changed. So he now doesn't want those things, not because we're telling him he shouldn't have them. He just doesn't want them. Yeah. And then my oldest son, he wants, he's now got ambitions to be a professional football player. So he's very focused on what he eats and what he doesn't eat. You know, so it just rubs off because they're in that environment. You know? Yeah, and I think that's important. I know a family, they were massive on their kids about not eating sweets and not eating an ice cream and not eating. And then they would go to a party course, and yeah. just like gorge on yeah. these things. Yeah. And um you know, I don't, I'm not giving too much away here, but you know, one of the children has has, has developed some um, eating issues. Okay. Um, and I think that's it's like it's like for me about uh, computer games at schools and stuff. Yeah. I'm, I pay attention to what the games are actually about before mm. I decide whether I'm going to ban them or not. And then there's a, there's a, two ends of the extreme mm. when they're totally not allowed to do something, and most of the other kids are. Then what's the impact of them being excluded yeah. from all those conversations? Sure. Now, I don't mean playing World of well, you know, like flipping 18 games when they're, when sure, they're yeah, nine. No, yeah. But it's like you say, at some degree, it becomes appropriate to actually bend yeah. a little. Um, and, and, and yeah, I some think, of the games, I mean, some of these games, they're playing with their friends as a team. So you kind of go, well, they're learning to work as a team. You know, oh, so of course, Paul. That aspect. Yeah. Well, and when we were kids, I mean, do you remember yeah. your parents because you're one phone in the house and one line and yeah. that was how we would speak to our friends is, is, yeah, yeah. is hog the house phone for an hour. Yeah. 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 Locking up for everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this has been I'll a, that, though, the final thing with the health aspect, oh, please. Yeah. One of the things that you will notice that I've seen in the research and you'll see it just from common sense. One of the biggest issues with people in later life that is, is lack of muscle mass. That's what causes an issue. Like if you fell over today and, and banged your arm, it's not such an issue. If you're 17 and you haven't exercised for 30 years and you fall over, you crack a hip, that's an issue. Yeah. And part of the reason for that is lack of muscle mass. To so, protect the joints. But to protect yeah, and obviously the, yeah. to give you mobility, flexibility, agility. So it's like you should be doing something today to keep your muscles strong, which generally means some form of resistance training, whether that's weights. I use, I use weights in the garage and I use um, resistance bands because I'm doing kicks and things. Okay. I found those very good for all over mobility. But you want to keep that going. And so 
I, when I was 22, I got invited to Japan to train over there. So I went over there for initially for a couple of weeks. And, you know, we were, I was watching people in their 70s and 80s who'd been training in karate since they were like 16. And this, I, tw- I was 22, a black belt in karate, fit, strong, and fast, as far as I was concerned. These guys left me in the dust. And that was part of it. Like, I want to be like that when I'm 18. Yeah, wow. You know, it's like that's the benefit of doing something continuously for all of your life. The quality of life. It's not just how long you live, but the quality of it. You know? Yeah, and these, these are, you know, like threads through your life, things that you're yeah. going to say, uh, you know, whatever I do, wherever I go, this is part of who I am. It helps me be a better man, a better husband, a better dad. And, and I want to be around enjoying it in another 40 years time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 40, 50, 60, 70, yeah, whatever it may be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so one thing that's occurred to me, were you, were you, were you someone who'd never really been fit and then you had to get, you know, this first time, this sort of at uni thing, were you, were you, because this is a problem for some people where they've yeah. never really done exercise and now they're looking at how the hell am I going to get fit? Yeah, no, I wasn't fit because I was, this goes back even further to childhood, doesn't it? Because as a child, I was a late developer. So I didn't really hit puberty until quite later in life compared to my friends. So they all suddenly started putting on muscle and that, and I'm still a little kid. So therefore, I was never any good at sports because how can you be good at football when you're, you haven't hit puberty and everybody else has? It's like yeah. just no comparison. So I never thought I was good at anything physical or sporty. So therefore, I didn't do any. So therefore, I wasn't fit. So it was when I got to university, like something's got to change. You know? So I had to go through all of that, being out of breath, chasing for a bus thing, all the way through to getting into a place where I could easily live each day and enjoy it and actually be fit and stronger does that make sense yeah totally totally it's, it ultimately becomes a habit and think yeah, totally. I'm, I'm not gonna hit the snooze button i said i'm gonna go for a, a walk let alone a run i said i'm gonna do that and that's what i'm gonna do yeah yeah i think interestingly what you say that there's something about that and this is one of the another value i find with writing everything down is you get to the end of the day and you cross off the things you've done it's like i realize like you're keeping a promise to yourself you said you're going to do it and you actually did it that's good for your mental health. Also, certainly I've noticed, like, you feel good. Like, oh, I said I was going to do it, and I actually did it. Whereas there have been times in the past where I've said I'm going to do it, and I didn't do it. And when you've done that a couple of weeks on the trot and not done it, you start to really – I just found that I would slide. That's what I needed people around me to kind of help me, encourage me, get me back out of it. But crossing things off, saying I'm going to, I'm going to do this, and you do it, fantastic. Telling someone else you're going to do it when it involves them and helps them, like your children, and you do it, even better, you know. Yeah, I think it's. I'm not, again. I'm not. A, I'm not a, a, a psychologist, and I don't like test things out on animals. But you see things on like Pavlov's dog. You you set a task, you give a reward, you keep yeah. doing it. It builds a mental yeah. message about if I do that, I get this. And all of a sudden, mm. you're no longer having to think, "Oh my gosh, I've got to go to the gym." You start to think, "I go to the gym because it makes me feel good. I like feeling mm. good." And therefore, you, don't, you forget the whole gym bit. It's just, I yeah. like feeling good. And these are the five things I do to achieve that. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, from my point of view, it's like very much I want to, however long I have here on this earth, when I get to the end of my life, I want to be able to look back on it and go, I loved it. And I, you know, I set out to play full out and I played full out and I dealt with all the challenges and everything else that came along the way. But, and I like the way I guess Brendan Bouchard describes, you know, live, love, laugh or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. There is an element of that. It's like, I want to live. I want to. I want to love, you know, I want to demonstrate. I'm not very good or haven't been in the past. Like I'm not naturally a very demonstrative person love-wise. So I had to learn to do that. Does that make sense? Like I had to learn to be more demonstrative to everybody, 
my wife, my children, everybody, you know, it's like hug everybody, kiss everybody, tell everybody. You know, I used to get embarrassed by that sort of stuff. So, cause I didn't grow up in that environment. Of course. So I had to learn to do that as well. But yeah. Well, and that, I mean, for me, is one of my core tenets really is that the more, you know, I tell my kids I love them every day, we, we're, they're, they're old enough now where they start laughing about it. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. us that a lot, Daddy. Yeah, I'm like, daddy I know, and I'm going to keep doing it. Um, yeah. But it took, it took, I had to, I remember the first time I really remember my dad saying, I love you. I flipping, I was in, I was in my 20s. Like, and I, I, I made him. I, 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 yeah. I was after I'd done the landmark forum, but I, I, I really realized where, where the barriers and the blocks were in my relationship with my dad. And I went about addressing them. Yeah. And, and my, um, how I was to him, mm. ultimately then it ended up reflecting, he, he was able to then reflect that back on me. It was like, a, like you know, um, I'm sure there's a, there's a technical sort of term for all this, but, but, but fundamentally I had to push through and create that relationship and create that space for him in order that he could see sure. see the benefit of it and step yeah. into that space and, and actually we now have a much closer and more and more open slash loving relationship at, at, at this age where he's 76 and i'm 45 than, yeah. than we probably ever have had That's although yeah. the git has just been three days in Maidstone, which is where I live <laughs> okay. and i find out on the phone <laughs> i said <laughs> Well, you haven't rung me. You haven't popped round. We haven't been out for a coffee. And it's, it's like, it's just, it just goes straight over his head because yeah, yeah, that's just yeah. not who he is. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. well, I spoke to you on the phone last week. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, but, but listen, look, as, as we head towards the sort of, you know, the, the time that, that we know that uh, people can put up with fun, you know, you just alluded to, 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 the, mm. to, to having fun there. Um, you know, first of all, in regards to parenting, you know, what do you do for fun with you? I've, I've really taken from this, you know, how, even though we haven't spoken about it much, how close you are with your kids. You know, mm. what are some of the things that you do with them? How do you foster that, that sense of relationship with them? Um, and, you know, and just, you know, I'd love to, to hear that as I think it's, it's always insightful for, 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 for dads who are wondering how to create that strong relationship with their kids to hear it from other mm. people. I think, yeah, I would say what has become a habit as I talk about it is is the hugs and the telling them I love them. Um, so that started as a deliberate thing, and now it's just an un- unconscious, I just do that. Yeah. So they always know each day they get that. Then from a, what do we do? It's like, well, we, we attempt to organize at least once every second week, ideally every week, something we all do together. So we all go out as a family and we do something. That could be as simple as taking the dog to the beach, and then running the yeah. dog up and down the and remind us how old are your kids again right now? Um, 16, 12, and 10. Right, got it. So we'll, t- we'll all go down there. Um, you know, the boys will want to take a football, so we'll keep the ball up the beach as we walk the dog, you know, and obviously we then get to talk to each other. Conversations with my daughter, because she's 16, are different conversations than I have with the boys, because they're 12 and 10. You know, but, but we make time to talk, you know, and then we'll finish up in a cafe down on the beach. You know, they'll have an ice cream, I'll have a coffee, and Amory, I have a coffee, you know, so it's just making sure that we spend time like that together. Because the other side of it, of course, is they don't necessarily want to do that every day either. They, they want to go off and see their friends. Of course, and, as teenagers and preteens. Yeah, teenagers yeah. do, yeah. Like my daughter's just gone and spent, um, you know, she went into London a couple of days ago to see a friend there, stayed overnight, came back again. You know, so she wants to go and hang out with her friends when they're not all at school. So she's making time for that. And then when she is here, it's like, well, we've got to find time for all of us. To, to play together, interact, and remind each other that we're a family. Yeah. Otherwise, obviously, you could get to that point where you just you all live in the same house, but you're all living separate lives. You never talk to each other, you know. So of course, 
Mm. And I you know what I know about the importance of that is that you're teaching them how to parent their kids. You're creating the relationship with your grandchildren at this moment in time. Even I'm before they, that way, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Even before your kids have left home, you're creating your relationship with their children. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and, and what fun wise for yourself, what, what do you do to, to have fun and how do you keep that side of your, you know, that, that bucket full? I, I, I like to think about life as buckets and the yeah. more of the buckets we have that, that, that are full, the, the more joy we're going to get out of our life. So sure, what do yeah. you do around and, having fun and catching up yeah, with your friends? Yeah. I mean, again, that, that is something that has, has had to be a deliberate focus. Because it's very, I've, it's very easy at times for me to get so focused on the work aspect that I can neglect it, like single-minded. And whether that's a male trait, I'm not sure, but you can become, I can become very singly-minded on my business and just everything else disappears. You know, so it's like part of my planning for the quarter, the month, the week is like, what are we doing that's fun this week? You know, so what am I doing if I want to do something on my own? Whatever that might be. I mean, the advantage I have, I guess, is training, karate, that's fun to me. Yeah. So all aspect is just fun anyway. But then it's like outside of that, what do we do? It's like, well, you obviously got to make sure that me and Anne-Marie spend some time together each week. That's fun. So like, what are you going to do to make it fun? You know, you're going to go and watch a movie. You're going to go and have dinner. You're going to, you know, whatever it might be, but make it fun. So there, it is literally at each quarter, I'll, I'll brainstorm a list of things that we can do that I want to do that I think are fun, that I want to do with the kids that I think is fun, that I want to do with Anne-Marie that I think is fun. And then obviously, make sure everybody else thinks the same thing or settle, pick something that everybody agrees is going to be fun. So that could be going to the movies as a family. That could be going, kicking the ball around with Harrison when nobody else is around. Like Harrison, do you want to go and kick the ball around and go and he loves kicking the ball around because that's what he wants to do. So he'll, he'll love that. So that's fun for him, you know, <laughs> not so much for me anymore. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love being, I love seeing the look on his face. I love seeing his face like when we're doing something he loves, that makes sense. So there's more of an indirect connection in that respect. Totally. I mean, yeah. they say, what's that expression about time? What the kids want? I forget what the, there's a, there's this cliche line thing, but what kids want more than anything from, from their parents is time. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I remember, um, this goes back a couple of years, but a good friend of mine who lives in London and he, he had had, I think when his father passed away, he realized that they had all these family movies, but his dad was never in them because he was the one holding the camera. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you suddenly realize actually what your kids want is to see you in the movies. You know, so it's like, if you're going to film things and make sure you're in it, so make sure you have the experience with them. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, Paul, this has been a fabulous chat. Thanks so much for sharing so much of, of, of your life and of your family and being so open with us all. Um, what, you know, you've alluded to some of the work you're up to. Would you like to talk about that or let people know where they can find you or connect up with you? Yeah, well, um, they go to strategicrebel.com. They can find out all about the things I'm up to. Um, most of what I'm focused on in the sort of, I guess, public world in seminar world is still very much around helping people with um, the financial aspect of the business, but more, more narrowed down to marketing, sales, sales especially, because people have lots of issues with that. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, we run events, we do mentoring, we do coaching. That, and this is, this is, you told me this is targeted at business coaches and who's yeah. your target audience? Who do you help? Yeah, so we tend to be people who offer a service, but it tends to be other speakers, coaches, trainers, people like that who need and want to influence more people at the same time and obviously bring those people into their own programs and make a difference and make yeah. an impact that way. So we help with all of that. 
And just for context here, what's the coolest speaking gig you've ever done? Coolest? Yeah, like the one you buzzed off the most. You know, actually, it wasn't the biggest one. Um, <clears throat> we did, I did one in um, 2014, I think it was, going back a few years now. And it was, I'd never been to South Africa that, until, until 2014. I went three times in one year and all to speak. Yeah. And I remember the first event was in Johannesburg. First time I'd ever spoken in South Africa, 800 people in the room. And uh, the, they had a local person, local speaker who was doing the hosting and the comparing, if you like. And then I came on and I did the first kind of teaching piece and selling piece. And they were just so hungry to learn. It was an app. The energy in the room was just electric, absolutely electric, because they wanted it. It's like whatever I had to offer, they wanted it, and they wanted to run with it. And I found that from a teaching point of view, there's nothing that gives you a bigger high than people who really want to learn it. You know, So yeah. that was one of the best, best ones I've ever been at. Well, I guess that's, that's everything you said about your work with people is that that's the kind of people you want to work with, and that's where you get the most value. That's where they get the most value back out of you. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously you walk away on a high because you, you know you've made an impact, you know you've made a difference, and that's what's yeah. cool. So that's Strategic Rebel, yeah? Strategic- yeah, strategicrebel.com, yeah. And people can find, find you there. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Paul. Obviously the health, no, really? uh, the stuff, uh, uh, what did you say? You're 53? 53, yeah. 53? Yeah. Yeah. Looking good, buddy. Got more hair than me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm not sure what impact that has on. I think it's just some sort no, of genetic thing, but yeah. <laughs> but anyway, thanks so yeah, much. Like I said, I appreciate your time. It's been it's been great to um, you know, our paths have crossed a number of times over the years. But uh, over the last few weeks, the opportunity to chat chat more, um, I really get a sense of who you are to to your family and to your children, um, and the impact you're making on the world um, is, is 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 fabulous. And and I know that that's from the heart. It's not it's not about money, you know. First and foremost, it's really about you know what you're doing for others. And I I want you to know that I feel that and know that. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. I mean, it's been really good. I really, I've been, I love talking. So, <laughs> and it's been interesting because it's not necessarily been things that I usually get asked about. I usually get asked about purely business and speaking and influence. This has been much more rounded in the sense of what I do outside of that and other areas of my life. So that's been, totally. That's been, and listen, for me, the Team Super Dad podcasts, you know, if, and I haven't turned it off yet because I want, you know, people, this is important for people to hear. The Team Super Dad podcasts are, there's so many podcasts out there at the moment. And they're all, you know, a lot of them you can listen to and it's kind of, mm. today we've got this expert on and they're going to tell you how the, you know, to turn, ch- ch- you know, to, to, to be them basically. And it's yeah. kind of, it's, it's all a bit too dry. And then you've got other ones where they're interviews, but they just ramble on. And so for me, what is it about being a, a dad, you know, and mm. the sort of the, the, the name tag of, of, of super dad it's not about what, what we want to be for our kids. It's what we want our kids to think of, of us. Yeah. And you've, you've shared so many things today just about the organization of your life and about some structure and about you know, how you focus your heart on, on, on yeah. people, um, commitment to health and, and, and not just get up in the morning and, and do a couple of healthy things, but you know, you understand what's going on with my body and why am I doing these things? And that actually gets you to the point of, I feel pretty good each day, mentally wise, physically wise. Yeah. And for me, that's about being a super dad. It's, mm. it's having the energy and the love for your children and the time and the confidence around your work and around your relationship with your, your, you know, with your wife or significant other. And, and that really creates the space to like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Whether I meant yeah, it or not, I'm being a super dad to my kids. Yeah. I mean, ultimately you can't give what you haven't got. Yeah. So, you know, that doesn't just mean money. 
you know, that, that would say that's probably bottom of the list. But, you know, if you've got the energy, you can give the energy. If you've got the energy, you can give the love. You know, it's like you've got to fill yourself up to be able to give it, haven't you? So, yeah. Well, if I get to the end of these conversations and people say they've really enjoyed it and it was, they hadn't, it was good to talk about things they hadn't spoken about before, then I'm definitely achieving what I want to achieve. Yeah, no, fantastic. It's really good. It's really good. Paul Elliott, thank you so much again for being on the show. It's great to well, chat. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that for the for the 20 or 30 presenters of the podcast crew. If you're still here, <laughs> brilliant. Literally tweet me, text me, let me know on the Facebook groups that you're listening to the end because it's it's so important to get that feedback. I you know, and also it's like a special group of people as well, you know. It's a special group of people who who tune in and listen to the end. I and the kind of person that listens to podcasts through to the end. I listen to a lot of audio books as well. And the magic is at the end. I hope so. Because as the conversations, you know, you get, you get to know people more and more, you relax inside the conversation. And then I, you know, I truly believe some of the magic comes out of the end or we get so tired that we start talking nonsense and that should hopefully be fun as well. If you know anyone, if you've heard of anyone on any other podcasts, if you yourself think you'd be an awesome guest on the team super dad podcast, I'd love to have you on board. If you've listened to any, of the um, of the hangouts yet yeah, the team super dad hangouts and you think you'd be a good dad to have in that group you know I want to have a group of dads who are regularly coming on together talking crap having a laugh taking the piss um, but maybe covering some some important topics as well we've got people sending in questions um, asking us to discuss like what would we do if or how would we solve this problem um, and so I really would love more dads more fun fun guys I, I want some some maverick characters some people with some crazy stories I would love to have you in the team super dad hangout crew and that's it pass this on give us some likes grow the the community of team super dads around the world i can't wait to hear from you i can't wait to get your feedback and i hope that you'll be listening to the next team super dad podcast my name is johnny jensen team super dad out this has been team super dad find us at teamsuperdad.com Join the Rebuild program and create the best life ever for you and your children. You are not alone. You're on Team Super Dad.